Welcome to Eagle Air's Local Music Spotlight podcast, the companion podcast to our Local Music Spotlight live radio program. Winthrop University's Local Music Spotlight airs on WINR Eagle Air on Fridays from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. It highlights music and musicians local to Rock Hill, South Carolina and the surrounding areas. We interview local musicians, play their music on air, and maintain a local gig calendar. You can find more information at our webpage. Go to faculty.winthrop.edu slash weekendrp, that's W-I-E-G-A-N-D-R-P, and click on the local music tab. Our podcast series presents excerpts from the radio program in a shorter format, usually under 15 minutes, one that you can download and listen to at any time. This particular podcast is part two of my interview with Ephraim Somers, a singer-songwriter from right here at Winthrop University. In this part, Ephraim and I talk about how much we enjoy playing live music, and Ephraim talks about his songwriting process. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because uh, it, it's uh, to me it's uh, probably the most important question, uh, being a, a, a Winthrop faculty member who's playing music, how do you gig out so much? <laughs> it's it just uh, not just the gigging. I mean, you do like what three or four a, a week, or sometimes yeah. I, I try to do about ten to fifteen a month. I would say, right, yeah. and it, but also just chasing after the gigs, getting them right. booked and yeah. and confirmations and so forth. That's the job in and of itself, right? Um, when I was in a band, probably from two thousand to two thousand eight, and we we gigged pretty seriously. We were all very serious about it. We lived together as a band and uh, we all kind of had different jobs and my job in the band was booking. Um, and so back then it was uh, like, I booked a national tour just through MySpace. You know, it was like for MySpace, once MySpace happened, it was the, for those of you who don't know what MySpace is, you should check it out. But um, it was basically like an online press kit for a band and you no longer had to mail physical copies of things like a CD, a picture, a bio, all that stuff to bars. You could simply email them a link, right? That was like, go here, listen to our music. Here's our bio. Here's some photos of us playing live. Here's, you know, kind of our online presence. Um, are you interested in booking us? And just made the situation so much easier. Um, I've found that that process is similar to submitting work for journals like to get published yeah, yeah. and it's just like a numbers game you know it really is just like i need to shotgun blast all these things all these possibilities of places i want to get gigs at right maybe it's 10 in a week that i want to look at and just focus on contacting and maybe one gets back to me right and that's fine you know i got one okay i'll i'll hit up these people later on down the road and i so i just try to kind of continually build a relationship with somebody even if like even if they say hey you know we're booked through the end of the year you know can you kind of get in touch with us later on i'll, I'll kind of make a note okay these people are kind of interested but it's not happening right now um and then once once you get a large enough kind of um i would say database you know i don't really have a database but you know what i'm saying database of kind of places that you can possibly play managers that you've built a relationship with um, you no longer are reaching as hard for the gigs I've found personally. The other thing is I'm a solo artist, you know, whereas like you're with a band that alone presents so many problems. You know, I've thought about putting bands together, but I couldn't gig that hard because it would be like, okay, you have the, I get in touch with this booker and they only have one date next month and it doesn't work for a bass player and you know, things like that. So I think just scheduling, knowing I have 
certain dates open for just myself and I'm the only one who has to be there. And my wife and I kind of have an understanding of certain nights that I won't play so that we'll kind of have our time each week to, to be together. Cause you know, that's a difficulty. Not a lot of people talk about is, um, how do you maintain a family? Right. And like, I don't, luckily I don't have kids, but how do you cultivate a great relationship with somebody or, or your friends or those kinds of things? If you're dedicating so much of your time to your art, and I think like say you have to carve out that time, but also you also have to be super deliberate and capitalistic about the art too, I think in parts, right? Part of it is this beautiful, awesome spiritual thing that you get when you play music with friends or when you play in front of it. And there's also that joyful part of it, but there are other parts of it where I can be completely unemotional. And I think I have to be right. Like I have a goal of, you know, a number of gigs or a, or a certain amount of money I want to make a month or something like that. I need to be unemotional about that thing and just do what I have to do to get to that number. And then, okay, cool. I can kind of relax. I've made that number for the next couple months. I'm set, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So just being kind of capitalist, unfortunately about it has helped a lot. Your, your um, analogy to the sort of uh, the scholarship side of, of academia, uh, I think is a really apt one. I've used a similar analogy um, not so much about the journal submissions, but when I came from UCF, I was a research faculty and soft money. So it was all grants, contracts and grants. And, um, and that's very much a numbers game. One in 10 grants hit, right? right? So you're, you're really constantly out there trying to, trying to convince program sponsors, Hey, I've got this idea. You're, you're, you're working on the idea down the pike. You're working on the idea that's ready. You're working on the idea that you've already uh, gotten some money for, and uh, you're going to get no a whole lot more than yes. Right. And it, it is, um, it does, you know, you quickly either stop doing that or you, you grow a thick skin to it. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. cause you can't do it if you don't, if you're not willing to, uh, accept no or silence. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is the, in the, in the, there's more silence on the music side than on the, um, um, grant side. Although even there in the, the DOD's answer to, to grants is often, just to not respond. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, right. so you learn, you just got to follow up and, and keep at it. Um, so that's, a, I think that's a really good analogy. Yeah. I, um, another thing I would say too, is there's always, um, what was I going to say? Oh, is there's levels to anything too, right? Like I think that you have to also be honest with yourself. How much can I do? Like realistically, how much can I gig? I've gigged too much. So, like certain months I've been like, I am over this. I'm sick of it. You know, like I've, push myself a little bit too hard. And so now I've pulled back, but I think also when you're first breaking into a space or a, a city, you're just trying to get whatever you can. Right. And then what I wanted to do was get to a level where I can say no to things where I can be a little more like, okay, I can, I can choose one gig that would pay me as much as these two gigs. Right. So, okay, I can get rid of those two gigs that might have been not a waste of time, but just, um, I'm trying to gig more efficiently, right? Mm -hmm. Like gig smarter, not harder kind of. And I think, so I think there's levels and I'm just kind of trying to move up to another level just because I, you know, want to challenge myself. I give myself weird challenges and that's kind of one of them, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, so I'm, I'm older now than when, you know, I was here many years ago, I guess that's true by default, but, um, <laughs> um, and one thing, that I've noticed for myself is, you know, we'll get that, like we just uh, got a gig at the milestone in uh, late uh, November and we're very excited about it. I get excited about gigs just like when I was younger. Yeah. 
but uh, the the prospect of breaking down and coming home at one in the morning <laughs> is a very different experience at 51 than it was when I was 22. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I'll do it because I want to. I want to do the gig, um, and I, I I have a lot of fun. Um, but it's you know it's uh, it also it's also the case that I've you know programming projects to grade and tests to make up and 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 all the things that we have to do in general. Right. So it's a bit of a balance, but um, but I love it. Uh, like like you said, it's it's a matter of uh, building. You know, getting there. Yeah. I you know I'm like you said I'm super busy, but also. There's so many t- days where I'm just busy with doing stuff constantly, and then I get to the gig and play the first song, and I just feel better. Yeah, you know, it's like it makes the whole kind of experience. It, that's one thing I can never forget is just the joy I get from playing live. And if that ever became not joyful, right, I'd stop pretty quick. It's but it, but so far it's pick up the guitar, play in front of people, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I feel good and. I don't have a whole band, right? So I don't have to load all that stuff in and out. But you're right, that that part sucks. It always has. I mean, even when I was a kid, that part sucked. But, uh, but you know, it still brings me joy, and we do it because we love it, you know? I really do. I'd actually, I guess, in some ways forgotten. Uh, you know, when I was at UCF, I was working 70 hours a week. And there was no time for anything else. Right. And um, uh, and so when we got back here, and, and my friend uh, John Warnick, who we'll be talking to later today, um uh, reached out to me. Um, I thought, yeah, that'll be fun. And then that first time that we played out live, like I forgot that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it reminded me of, I, I go camping a lot and I, I'm a, I'm a highly wound person. I, I, I stay busy and active and yeah. I'll, I'll get all the stuff together. I have my lists. I go, I set up the camp, I do all the stuff. And then I, and then I think, what am I supposed to be doing right now? I'm supposed to be doing something right now. Oh yeah, relaxing. That's what I'm. It's the same sort of a feeling. I get to the gig, you get everything set up. There's that you know that energy that you have because it's just. And then you start playing. You're like, oh yeah, it's really about this moment, not the five minutes before, right? Right. Um, yeah. 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 And um, and I really enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, tell me some of your musical influences. Okay. Uh, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan. Obviously, probably a ton of people would say that. Um. I I kind of am interested in the craft of songwriting and storytelling as in the same way I would be interested in a certain type of poem that I was studying. Like I just tried to come at it from an academic level. So I'm looking at like Towns Van Zant, you know, I'm looking at Blaze Foley. Um, I'm kind of like looking at things I like and then trying to trace the historical places that they got their influences from. Laura Nero is a songwriter I really like. Carol King, obviously, um, some of those kind of older ones, you know, Paul Simon, those are probably just kind of obvious influences for any songwriter. Um, there's a really great book called songwriters on songwriting. I don't know if you've heard of it and it, it does a bunch of interviews with a lot of the greats. Um, you know, Tom Waits, uh, Leonard Cohen, things like that. And it's just kind of, they, they interview them all in their process. And so that was really interesting too, to kind of see what some of those greats do. And a lot of them just talked about being Leonard Cohen, especially just said he's like a working man's songwriter in that he gets up at 4am and he works for eight hours on songwriting, you know, and it's just like, wow, I don't do that. But, <laughs> but that part of it, like, I'm just interested in how to tell a story in a very, very short amount of time and how other people have tried to do that as well. So, you know, um, 
other things is looking at the song structure, you know, like watching uh, Berkeley school of music has, they've really kind of opened up video, like where they put videos on YouTube now. And so you can watch lectures with um, some really great songwriters that just talk about the craft. And that part is interesting to me now as well. It's just kind of, I'm just trying to like get as many tools as I can. Um, in addition to like just playing, you know, right. Like getting my chops up, playing the guitar well or singing well and that kind of practicing, just kind of focusing on like, what is a song? You know, why do we repeat a hook? Why, what is it about a song that makes it like repetitive? You know, why do we play that thing over and over again because of the way it makes us feel in some way? So kind of, I've been just really kind of focusing on songwriters themselves and, and those people that write and play their own music a lot. That's a long answer to the, no, to the great answer. I like that answer. Um, and I guess uh, following up in terms of your process, does uh, music precede lyrics or you have an idea for lyrics or is it the same or it depends on the song or how does that, how do you assemble a song? Yeah, usually it is music first. Um, sometimes it'll be melody first recently a little bit more. I, I kind of realized one thing that's cool about really dedicating yourself to any craft every single day is that you butt up against your own inadequacies. Like, this is where I'm weak. This is where my weakness is. And it can allow you to better diagnose it, and then it can allow you to be like, okay, I, it takes me so long to write verse melodies because I'm weak at writing melodies over verses for some reason, right? So in realizing that, then I can spend more time on, um, like, okay, now what I'm gonna do to write a song is I'm gonna write a melody first because I waste all my time. I have complete songs finished with great choruses and a good, a good hook and the whole song's finished, but I cannot write the verse. So I'm gonna try writing verses first. You know, I'm gonna try writing just the melody first of that verse without lyrics. Uh, one thing I learned in the um, one of those uh, songwriting classes was to write melody with no lyrics, like just rhythm first and, and no notes as well. So just start with the, the rhythm as a way to into writing a better melody and kind of just, you know, like, as I was saying earlier, just picking apart different parts of songs, finding my weakness, and then trying to do the thing that makes me uncomfortable first has been helpful for me. But I would say, which is probably the same case for you, right? Like songs come in different places and just kind of being open to that process and not having rules about the process has really helped a lot. I like your idea of figure out what your weakest at and do that. Cause that's kind of what I do academically uh, is, you know, figure out where I'm the weakest and focus on that. So maybe that's a, a good advice for all aspects of life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening to Eagle airs local music spotlight podcast and tune into our live radio program on WINR on Fridays from 4 PM to 6 PM. You can stream it on the internet using the tune in app, or Apple Music. Just search for Eagle Air.